biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by Jacob on the desk today, per usual. And we have Tyler calling in from L.A. How you guys doing? Doing okay. I think we're both trying to recover from loss of travel, and Tyler's been up since the early hours of the morning in L.A. So. Right. He just returned from the world's group draw. How was that, Tyler? Early. <laughs> Oh, uh, wow. Uh, you got up at 4 a.m. to go watch it live in the studio? I, I've i been up many hours before 4 a.m. to go. I mean, I had to be there about 4.30 or 4.20 just so I can get there before the production starts. And it's about an hour or so from the arena. So, yeah, it's been a very long day. Yeah, but you got to meet Rookie. Who's just the best? He is. He is a very sweet, sweet, sweet boy. So, yes, uh, great interview of rookie, amazing Jay from IMA. Uh, really good group draw. Lo- lots of fun to see that it actually is not rigged. I was walked through the process of the group draw. Pretty hard to rig it, except instead of you know, unless there was you know some CGI in front of my eyes, but. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, is that, uh, I don't know. Is some that riot- a thing? People really think it's rigged. Riot video yeah. editors are really good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, all I'm saying is, after taking a look at these groups, TSM better make it out of the group stages this year because they literally have no excuse. Um, they're in a group with Flash Wolves and Misfits. Just no excuse. I mean, speaking of rigs, like at least we know now, Tyler can confirm that TSM doesn't get a rig pool, but this is the probably the easiest pool we've seen with uh, seen for TSM in a very long time. I thought they had it out, was it last year or the year prior, when they had LGD in their group? And then that was, I thought they had it out easy that year, too. I thought they were the second one out, and they did not meet my expectations. So, yeah. um, yes, I think that, that based on their current group, uh, depending who comes in from the play-in, if it's Team WE, maybe there's a struggle. Ooh. Um, because it's randomized. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the uh, the big thing that everyone's not really looking at is that if the top four teams from the play-ins, Hong Kong Attitude, Cloud9, Fnatic, and Team WWE all qualify for the world group stages, due to how the group stages work, where a re- a, a only a only one team per region can be in the same group. Team WE would be 100% into TSM's group if all the favorites advance from the playing stage. Well, they can can be in Longju and Immortals group, to be fair. So there's a chance that that TSM looks out. If if all four four of the top seeds make it through, because uh, Taiwan, China, and um, because all the three other top seeds, not including Korea, are all already in that group. So if all four teams make it, Team WWE is 100% in TSM's group. So TSM will be rooting for you know Hong Kong Attitude or Cloud9 or Fnatic to drop off in the playing stage just so Team WWE, who I think many people consider the top playing team coming to the event, 
does not get into that group. Because if you throw TMWE into Group D, things get a lot more dangerous for TSM. Even though right now, looking at it, they should, even though Flash Wolves are a very good team, they should take care of business, and there's no excuses this year. If you can't get out of a group with a a, a, a top eight Flash Wolves team and a pretty, you know, a new and experienced Misfits team, then with a returning roster, Team TSM has no excuses. This is put up or shut up time for them. So looking at this, Tyler, what do you think is the hardest group uh, from the four that are out there, depending on who qualifies in? Uh, I think a lot of people, I think everyone right now is looking at Group C, which is pretty much the... It, last year's group of death was TSM... Uh, it was TSM, LGD. Royal, Samsung, and Splice. Oh wait! Now this year, was am I am I thinking two years ago? Yep. Ah, yes, oh, my bad. Oh. Yes, you are correct, Tyler. Go on. Yeah, and this year it's literally the same group with Samsung, Royal in a group again. But this year it's G two, and the funny thing is, G two. Save their number one like seed in they save their pool one seed by upsetting TSM, where TSM threw like a hilarious lead at MSI to you know you know bungle out of the tournament and everyone was like oh no and they lost pool one seed they're gonna get screwed at Worlds, but TSM got an amazing group while G two is gonna have a very rough ride to For get sure. out. Yeah, I, I like how the progression on Twitter, I was watching the timeline this morning and catching up on everything. Doublelift was like, who lost us our pool one seed? And then literally five minutes later, he was like, woo! Yeah, I mean, I think Group A could be fairly competitive, but I do agree. Group C is, that's a pretty solid lineup. And I think that depending on if we, okay, so in theory, if all four of who we expect come out of the play-in, then that, that group is going to be rounded out by either C9 or Hong Kong Attitude, which that makes the group, if especially if it's C9, that makes the group a lot harder. Um, G2 is one thing that we need to know about Group D is, and something I was going to say but didn't want to interrupt Tyler, is that uh, when it comes to Europe, it's G2 is so much ahead of everyone else. Like G2, what, no matter what region they were in with their current team, they are much better than Fnatic and, and Misfits. Like there is a very big discrepancy. So, um, and any other team in Europe. So I, I think, yeah, if if that, let's say that is the group, and that's Cloud Nine, G2, Samsung, Royal. That's really, really bad. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, what do you guys consider the group of death or the quote quote group of death this year? I think it is Group C. It's Group C. Uh, my favorite group is Group B. I think Longju, Immortals, Gigabyte Marines, maybe a Fnatic, maybe a Hong Kong Attitude. I think that group's going to be really fun to watch because of the format of Worlds where it's a best of one. So you play each team once or twice, but it's best of one. You know, you, you don't play twice in one day unless it's the last group day where you play a few times. Group B is going to be really exciting. I'm really interested to see Khan uh, versus Flame. Flame will be playing against his old team, who benched him last year. Fun story. Kind lines. of, you know, sidelining him. And now he comes back this year as a star on uh, Immortals, and he gets to play against a team that, while well, he still has friends on the team, but he must have some, you know, memories that he wants to put away. And 
And going against the top team in the group stages might seem like the worst possible outcome. But, you know, Gigabyte Marines is a very winnable opponent, even though I think they're a good team and I think they can upset Immortals. I don't think it's a slam dunk. But Immortals as Immortals has a good chance of making it out as long as they can, you know, maybe if they can steal one game away from Longju and maybe, you know, steal Miracle kind of like how CLG took a game off Rock Tigers last year. I, I I don't I think Immortals has a pretty good draw. I I think NA's worst drawn team this year was C9 because C9 even if they get through planes are going to have a tough group ahead of them. All right, and one last thing I kind of want to talk about before we wrap up our discussion on Worlds. I I was initially going to ask about SKT, but honestly, I'm more interested in whether or not the Chinese teams at Worlds this year can really prove themselves on home ground. I feel like every year it's pretty much been expectations meets disappointment for Chinese teams at Worlds, uh, save for 2014, where they made the finals. Yeah. Um, But the year prior to that, it seems like they've gotten a pretty crappy reputation for just failing to live up to these really big expectations. Um, Do you think they can prove themselves on, on the world stage this year? And this is open to... Either one of you guys, Jacob. Why Power, you, you take... want to take that first? Okay, I was gonna I ask actually, you to take it first, but sure. I actually talked to Rookie and Amazing Jay, who are both from the LPL. And one thing that the LPL is doing to you know not have it end like the last few years is that all like the three LPL teams plus a few of the LPL All Stars are all boot camping together in China. So EDG WE and Royal are all teaming up in China, practicing together to make a unified front for World Championships this year. Interesting. They didn't They didn't do that the prior years, or were they practicing with Korean teams? No. Usually the Chinese teams have been very like, we are going to win by ourselves. We are not going to, you know, fraternize with the enemy. But after Rift Rivals, where the Chinese teams kind of came together and were like, we are, we must, we must, you know, the only way we're going to win against Korea is if we, you know, back each other up. And they, even though Rift Rivals in Korea, in the, for at least uh, Taiwan, Korea, and China wasn't, you know, a very elaborate, in-depth, like, competition, China did win that. And that was because the Chinese teams kind of trusted each other and practiced with each other and believed in the, the you know, the team. And since, Worlds is in China this year. There's a lot of pride going around, and no one wants to fail. Like rookie who was who's Korean, but has like adopted China as his second home. He was he almost died on stage day. Every he, he did not want to pick RNG into the group of Longju. He was he almost had heart attack when he was picking Longju's opponent. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was it was just, it was so cute and also extremely sad at the same time. Well, we're going to take a really short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to get to our main topic, which is Overwatch locations. Yes, we're finally going to wrap up that part of our conversation. But first, we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review in the iTunes app. And if you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can always tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, or at Fionn on Fire.
And we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. Before the break, I promised we would get to our final topic of the day, our Overwatch final destinations. Um, other locations that have been confirmed or have been... Have they been confirmed so far? Yeah, they have been confirmed so far. Uh, let me just give a quick rundown. Oh, we're up to nine. Yeah, okay. Boston, Miami, New York, San Francisco, Seoul, Shanghai... Am I missing? San Francisco. Did you say San Francisco? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. So it's double Los Angeles, one San Francisco, one Miami. Okay, it makes sense. Okay, then we have all the locations. And Uh, London. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, and as we are reporting on ESPN.com, the next two are Houston and Philadelphia. And for background on who those people are, Houston is Optic Gaming and a new ownership group uh, led by Neil Liebman, uh, who is the chairman of of the ownership committee of the Texas Rangers and the CEO of Summer Energy, an electricity company based in Houston. Um, And Philadelphia is Comcast Spectacor, who is the sports arm of telecommunications company Comcast, and they are the ownership of the Philadelphia Flyers of the National Hockey League. Um, Also, Blizzard is currently seeking out Wesley Eddins, who is the Milwaukee Bucks owner that runs FlyQuest. Um, the, they have offered him Chicago, but I'm not, it's not positive that he'll take it. So what are, what do you think is holding him back from taking it? I think it is the, the position of Chicago. So I think that he'll want to be in the league from everything I've heard. He's going to want to be in the league, but I don't know necessarily if that will be in Chicago. There's really no incentive for him to be in Chicago aside from it being in the Midwest, which he owns the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's, but it's a good city to have a fan base. In. Yeah, it's it's the one city. Chicago's a very attractive Midwest uh, city because when they do geolocate in a few years, the the big thing is going to be that everyone in the Midwest can come and support their home team, which will be Chicago. Whether you live in Michigan, whether you live in uh, whether you live in Wisconsin, you can come to or Idaho or Iowa. Uh, you can all come to the same place. So, um, yeah, I think I think that that's why Chicago's attractive. Um, but for Wesley Edens, his basketball team's in Milwaukee, and his investor group's in New York. So it's, eh. Um, but I I think that Houston and Philadelphia are really really good starts uh, to rounding out this group, which will be fourteen by the time the the round is done. Ah, uh, fourteen. That's two extra more than twelve, which is. What the previous report was. Yeah, so they wanted 12. Uh, That was Blizzard's initial goal when they set out to do this. And so uh, 14 will be the final. So they're trying to close 13 and 14 now. Okay, Tyler, what do you think? Philly and Houston, we have 14 teams now instead of 12. What are your thoughts? I it's, it's again it sounds great like but uh, the thing is you can create a league on paper and and you're throwing in all these big cities I don't think anyone's surprised here Chicago Houston you know these are major media markets and I'm and Blizzard's going to every door in every big city in every town wanting to get these people and the thing is like it's time It's time for, you know, the players to sign. It's time for the arena to be built. It's time for things to start going. And I'm just ready for this to start. Let's just start the league. Can we Can we just start the league? Can I see a new spectator client? Can I Can I see that? Because Blizzard keeps hyping up saying, yeah, when, when Overwatch League starts, we're going to have this, you know, revolutionary, you know, spectator client that changes everything, that makes Overwatch, you know, a – a comfortable esport to watch for casuals. I, I want that now. I want to see. I, I don't. I just want. I want that now. Just let's just start this. I'm. I'm. I'm ready. I'm loving you, this plea from Tyler. Um, I know you just really want to cover Lunatic High, or 
as they will probably be renamed to KSV Esports. Um, Whatever their brand ends up being. Yeah, for sure. Soul Lunatics. Yeah, it will be Soul something. So. Right. And just to make sure, they're going to be playing in Los Angeles for yes, the, the first season. Yeah, the, first season at, the first season at least. So uh, there's a chance that that extends outside of it. I think it's very dependent on these teams finding arenas that they can play at at home. So it's more of a logistics thing than it is just Blizzard. So, And if they wanted to get this league upstarted, like, sure, you can do the geolocation now, but the geolocation is for the future. You can't. There is no way on God's green earth that they were going to make a 2017 league where everyone was traveling as frequently as they wanted. So that was not ideal. So Right, and this this is just like a speculatory question, but, I mean, how long is it going to take for them to actually geolocate these teams? Because this is such an essential component of what their league relies on. Yeah, I think um, it will be quicker for some than others. Uh, I think that Spectacore, even though it was not their first choice, the first choice was obviously Josh Harris and the Philadelphia 76ers uh, due to their association with Overwatch and their uh, past with esports and Team Dignitas. I think that Spectacore is a really intriguing buyer because of what they they own and operate a bunch of arenas. Uh, they have a company called Spectra, which does hospitality for arenas similar to Delaware North, who own the Bruins and Splice. Um, and then also uh, AEG, who own or who are investors in Immortals. Um, so I think people like Immortals and Misfits and whatever this new Spectacore team is in Philadelphia are going to be able to geolocate very well because there's an arena association already there. Um, in the case of AEG and Spectacore, there are multiple venues that they own. Um, but I think for some of these other teams that are out there by themselves, your KSVs, et cetera, it's going to take a little while to find venue space. So. I'd say minimum of a year. Like, we know this season's going to start off in L.A. and, like, maximum of several. Right, and it seems like the Overwatch League is going to have a huge presence in L.A. for quite some time. So, Tyler, as an L.A. native, how hyped are you for this? Uh, I mean, I think it'll be fun. I think that if they do start before LCS franchising begins in probably mid-January. So I, if the league begins in early December, mid-December, early January, I think they can get a jump. And that's the thing, because Burbank and Santa Monica, not too far apart. So they are going to be competing for, you know, a a, for a lot of overlap. They're, I mean, I'm not saying that, Every League of Legends fan who goes to the LCS is going to want to go to the Overwatch League and vice versa. But definitely there's going to be people who have to make decisions, especially on the weekend. Where do you want to go for the weekend? Are you going to go to the Overwatch League or are you going to go to the LCS? And I think competition is healthy. I think this is really good for both sides. I think uh, LCS will have to put on a better show, a, a... a more exciting, interesting show to get people to come to the studio every weekend. And I think Overwatch League is going to have to do a lot of things right on the ground floor when it comes to, you know, customer service and giving a great access to fans and press alike for them to bring fans over LCS. So I'm actually really excited for that because LA is going to be a hotbed for esports next year with Overwatch League and the franchising of NALCS. And I, I'm excited to see how both sides do. And you got to be happy if you're Immortals or the Cronky family. They have slots in Los Angeles. You get to play your first season in Los Angeles. Not only are you in home territory, and I certainly think that they will have separate arenas for both of those teams within the next year. 
They own more than enough between the both of them. Um, <laughs> Jacob says as he rolls his eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially when you have Walmart money like the Cronkies do. Yeah. Um, and they, they don't have to go through that logistical nightmare of moving an entire team cross-country. Which they actually just did with the Los Angeles Rams, uh, moving oh, from St. Louis, which is a Cronky team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that... They, I think that if you're those two family, or if you're those two groups, whether it be the Cronky family or Immortals, you're very happy because uh, you don't have to move all over the place. You don't have to move your team, and you're they're already basically doing you a favor by making it popular in Los Angeles. Then people are just going to come to your home games, for sure. And speaking of Tyler, you brought up an interesting point. How can they cater to to this kind of fan service that Riot has so far done a really great job with for LCS? If it's anything like Apex. I am super down to watch Overwatch Live. I think Apex's presentation is pretty underrated for how many viewers it gets so far. But really, if you have a chance, like watch Apex because they do a great job at presenting presenting these teams. And you see a lot of what they do for the LCK and the inspiration they take from all these trash talk segments between Faker and Samsung back then. It's It's really a great treat to watch. And um, speaking of Apex, when the Overwatch League does inevitably launch, what do you think is going to happen to that league? Tyler, why don't you speak to this? I believe, uh, actually, an article by ESPN where Rally, one of our uh, one of our great writers from Korea, interviewed the KSV owner, uh, and he talked about this, and he was like, well, what about Apex? Because, you know, Lunatic High is leaving. LW Blue uh, as well. Blue is leaving. So they're re- that league is to be very hamstrung after this season, especially when 98% of the fans are all there to see Lunatic High. Uh, he said that he's going to see a lot more. I think his words were it's going to be a lot like the NCAA football for the NFL or college basketball for the NBA. I, he, he sees it as it's going to be a lot more of like a feeder league where his he's going to invest heavily in Apex because that's where all the new talents going to come from. And I Korea, don't think if you're OGN, you're happy about that. But, yeah, yeah I can that, see that playing out. That's terrible for OGN. If I was OGN, I would be not happy at all with Overwatch League because you are taking the most popular players and the most popular teams and just leaving them. And, sure, you're going to create new stars, but... Creating new stars takes a while. When the Korean exodus happened, what, three years ago in LCK, thankfully they kept on, like, SKT was the team that kept most of its players. Like, Faker didn't go to China. Uh, Ludic High, which are the by far the most popular players in Korea, all of them are leaving. They are going to be in L.A. probably for a year plus and not come back for Korea. And even though they're going to be representing Seoul, uh, OGN is going to be in a lot of trouble, and it really sucks for Apex, who has been, you know, the, the while Overwatch League is taking its time to start, uh, Apex has been the league where you can be like, okay, this is a high-level league with great production, great trash talk. This is what Overwatch League should be. And with Overwatch League starting, it's going to become, you know, a feeder league. And I don't know how OGN feels about that. Fair. Yeah, I don't think they're happy about that at all. I think as, in, even if you're the Overwatch Premier Series, as China gets more involved in the Overwatch League, you're probably not happy about that either. So. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of China, I feel like that's the one region that we don't really talk about or anyone really talks about. Uh, NetEase 
has the spot in Shanghai, correct? Yes. And um, what do we know about them? They're basically the distributor, game distributor for uh, Blizzard in China. So that's that's their relationship with Blizzard. They're basically the publisher. Oh, so. that is a really strange relationship and seems kind of like a conflict of interest. Yeah, it's a little convoluted, but um, my... sort of like Blizzard owning a team in China. Yeah, uh, my uh, my thoughts is I I don't really understand why they couldn't get more China buyers if uh, people in China with as much money as people in esports in China have and no one wanted to touch this. That makes me a little skeptical. So yeah. There are a lot of people in the U.S. who said no as well, but. Um, I don't know a lot about the China market, and they're definitely pitched more than one person. I know that much. So, For sure. The fact that only one bid is a little appalling. And the fact that there's only three international teams is a little appalling as well. Yeah. And it just happens to be the one company that's affiliated with Blizzard. And the only European team so far, the only European team is not even European. It's Cloud9 in London. Seems like something the wolf must dig into. Yeah, this is, I, I don't know. I'm very confused on what they meant by Global League because uh, it certainly has not played out to be that way. It's basically just all American investors. Even even uh, KSV, uh, Kevin Chow made his money in Silicon Valley in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, so, his um his brand is where Silicon Valley meets esports. Yeah, it was, and it was Kabam was the company, right. uh, him and Kent Wakeford, who uh, they founded together, and now they own this together as well. So Right. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was a lot of these teams, well, not a lot of these teams, all of these teams have to rebrand once they enter the Overwatch League. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, Tyler, why don't you kick us off? I feel it's interesting because on one level, if you are Mortals or Misfits, I would be pretty upset because your name fits perfectly with the geolocation, traditional sports style of naming your team. Like, LA Immortals sounds great. Uh, Miami Misfits is perfect. I, like, Miami Misfits, when it was announced Miami was going to partner up with Misfits, everyone was like, oh, that's genius. Miami Misfits, that's great for the Overwatch League. But when you think of, like, I don't want a team called the, like, you know, KSV Kaboom or whatever. I don't want to... I, mean, I don't Sam's think it's going to be called that. <laughs> like, I don't I, know. Actually, uh... I believe a week ago uh, they have they're having a uh, team name contest in Korea where Cloud9 has one of those too. Oh boy! Yeah, they're having the team, the the fans uh, nominate names for the team, and they're going to pick the best one. This is actually very common in sports. Most uh, expansion teams in sports do have these contests where it's like, hey, uh, give us a good name that we can steal. So thanks, and we won't pay you. Oh my god! And we do have the first. The first team is registered for their trademark as well, uh, which is the it's Netties and it's Shanghai Dragons. If you oh. want to go down the stereotypical route any further, but um, yeah. Um. I hope every single team is not like that in terms of just like. Eh. I don't know how I feel about the voting part. Our demographic is pretty young. I don't really have a lot of faith in these people to come up with great names. In fact, I feel like most of them will actually be offensive in some way, but that's just me. Maybe I'm just being a little cynical. I mean, it's not like the teams have to go with that name, but... Um, but just giving them the idea that they have any power or saying it at all just brings out the worst in people. That's fair. Um, what do you think about it from a marketing perspective, Jacob? Oh, I think it's terrible for the endemic teams, but I actually think that's part of the point. Okay, so this is what's not really been discussed uh, a lot if you are 
uh, Robert Kraft, or you are Jeff Wilpon. I wish. Or, I'm just kidding. Yeah, if you I had, don't. If you, I had hate billion, the Patriots. if you had billions of dollars in other sports teams, and you've never done esports ever, right? Like you're not like Neil Lehman. You aren't buying a team. Uh, you're not like Spectacor. You're not buying a team. Um, are you are Spectacor? Essentially, uh, this makes it an equal playing field for you. What happens when you start a league that has Cloud9, Immortals, Energy, and Misfits in it versus brand-new brands? All the fans are going to flock to what's already popular. People are sheep, right? Like, that's that's how people work. People People are are sheep. sheep. Title of this podcast. People are sheep. Um, So if you do, these brands are bigger than the Overwatch League, to be clear. Uh, a lot of the brands that have bought in that are endemic are bigger than the Overwatch League. So if you are one of the major investors in this this league and you're going to have to start a new brand anyway because you can't use your NFL, NHL, et cetera brand because they won't let you, um, this makes it an equal playing field for you. Everyone has to start a new brand. It's not just the like it's not just the sports owners. It's also the endemics. They have to start fresh too. So no brand is bigger than the Overwatch League and everyone has equal playing field. And that's why they did it. All right. I feel like this could snowball in the wrong direction really quickly because it pretty much incentivize. well, it doesn't incentivize teams. It forces teams to, to d- depend on Blizzard a lot more than they would probably be, be comfortable with in the long run. That's a complaint for some people that haven't bought in as well, is create a new brand and depend on Blizzard a little too much. So, Right, for sure. Well, are there any last points you want to add on to our Overwatch discussion? I'm all ears. I'm very optimistic that they got over their goal of 12. They have not, they're getting 14 by the end of this. Um, I'm optimistic that they got over their goal. I am still very skeptical because there are a lot more people that said no than 14 people. Um, there are hundreds of people who said no. Uh, so I'm still very skeptical when there's a lot of people I know that are very wealthy that said no to this, and it, even though they have more than enough money. Um, so I'm still skeptical. I'm happy that they got over their goal, and I'm hoping it's a successful launch for the sake of esports, uh, not even just Overwatch. It's very important that this works. Tyler, do you have any closing sentiments for our Overwatch discussion? Let's just start the damn league already. This is Tyler running on, like, three hours of sleep. He's like, just get it over with. Just start the league. Just start the league. Like, just just play. Play (laughs) the game. Like, play the... You know how many times have seen that, like, Crusher 99 trailer? Yes. Play the the game. (laughs) (laughs) Play Uh, the game. (laughs) All right, I changed my mind. We should title this podcast, Play Play the the Game. Game. Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap things up for today. Thank you, Jacob and Tyler, for joining me. And for more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can follow us on Twitter at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Youngu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at Fion on Fire. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.